Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Airway. As usual, we're here at Roberta's, and it's a really, really beautiful week. Um, I'm very happy about this weather. It's perfect for cooking. It's perfect for just lounging, barbecuing, whatever. Um, So I don't know about you, but I tend to buy books that I want to read that are narrative, like novels and memoirs, once they're out in paperback. Um, And that's no offense to the author. Um, I... I just like to kind of rumple them up, bring them everywhere with me. And as this book that I'm holding right now, which I've only had for about a week, has visible tatters already. So um, the author of it is Louisa Weiss, and the book is called My Berlin Kitchen, Adventures in Love and Life. And Louisa is on the line from Berlin right now. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's so nice to hear your voice. I know. Louisa, it has been some time. It has. It? It's so cool. Um to talk to you yeah, like I feel like uh, I last saw you I don't know back in 2008 7 mm-hmm. and it's funny because you've been such a presence um, through food boggling boggling that's not a good one <laughs> through food blogging um, boggling I like it it's like beer goggling <laughs> yeah no no offense uh, to no. <laughs> I'm the one who's boggling this interview um, so <laughs> So, you know, it, but it's so cool to, to still keep in touch with folks from afar across the ocean um, through their writing, through their social media and so forth. So congrats on the book, too. It's very, Thank you. And um, I know it came out in hardcover last year, um, but this is your first book. And, uh, you know, you've been writing The Wednesday Chef, your blog, f- since 2005. That's correct? Yes. In, in fact, my eight-year anniversary is later this month, which blows my mind. Amazing. <laughs> uh, congratulations. And st- you're still keeping it up, too, um, you know, throughout all the years, which is very impressive, um, especially with the book out and uh, a totally different change in in location. So. It's a, yeah, you know, yeah, no, it's been, it was, I mean, it, it's been a lot of work, but it's also such a huge, important part of my life. I can't really imagine not, not writing there anymore. Even, I'm taking a little summer break right now, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really important to me. So how was the transition of writing this book, um, which is obviously a long form, it's very narrative, it's so, it's so uh, visceral with details, and um, it, you know it's really personal too. How is that challenging or really different from writing your blog posts? Um, oh, hugely, hugely different. Um, the blog for me has always been um, something very um, 
very immediate. I would I would yeah. cook something for dinner, and I'd either blog about it that evening or maybe the next morning. But that's it. And um, I never I never really spent a lot of time really hashing out and thinking out posts. It was always very immediate sort of stream of consciousness yeah. in my in my mind. Um, whereas writing the book was a totally different ball of wax. It was there was um, a lot of uh, fits and starts getting started. There was a lot of I don't know. It just took so much longer than than I ever thought it would. It took me in total <laughs> from beginning to end three years to write the book. Wow. Um, yeah, which I you know it's not like it's ten thousand pages long. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I still can't believe it sometimes. But yeah, it took it took a while. And and you know I can tell everything is really polished. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like that immediate casual blog post, which is I guess you know it has its place too. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a lot of like kind of self reflection and learning throughout the process as you put your experiences into words? Oh, absolutely. Um, first, just getting enough distance from the events to be able to write about them in a in a in a way that I felt would be appealing and interesting. Because you know, it, writing about your your own life um, for a general audience is is really scary. I mean, why would anybody care about you know my silly little life? But I knew that there were things in there that were that could be interesting to people, or you know, could be meaningful to people who had had similar experiences to to, to, mm-hmm. to the way I grew up or what happened to me as a young adult. And um, and so I having getting getting distance from everything that happened sort of being able to process everything emotionally and then putting it down on paper there there was a lot of self doubt a lot of con- i was convinced i couldn't do it um but then when i when i finally managed to sort of break break on through to the other side <laughs> so cheesy but it really that's how it felt there was like a before and after um it was a, a huge um transformation in my own mind of the way i saw myself right. and what i was capable of doing and I can feel that too. I mean, I think it's a really successful book in a lot of ways. And and when you said Thank like, you. yeah, and you know, why should anyone care? Um, it's so uncanny. As as I was reading your book, I felt like I could really relate to your story, um, oh. in a really strange way. I mean, you know, and so I, you know, I started my food blog in 2006. I'm about to celebrate my seventh anniversary, mm-hmm. and um, I, I believe we probably worked at the same publishing house in New York City as our first jobs uh, in <laughs> Rockefeller Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the one. And it, it, I, I fell into blogging for a lot of the same reasons, you know, the, just longing for the kitchen and it seemed so unconventional. You write um, in one chapter that your roommates in New York City, um, you said, like most New Yorkers, they didn't so much as cook as shopped for food. So mm-hmm. they'd pick up, you know, some cheese and crackers or something immediately, uh, you know, servable. Um, and, and you felt this, uh, like you had something more to experiment with and to share through your blog. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd grown up, um, in my, in my family, we always cooked, even people who didn't like to cook cooked because there was no, like real alternative my mother's italian and she was the the parent who didn't like to cook but in italy i don't know you just you cook anyway even if you don't like to mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um 
I mean, it was wonderful living in New York, and I lived across the street from Zabar's. You know, it was really tempting to just go and, you know, get little little plastic boxes of, of their wonderful things to eat for dinner. But Salad it, things, it was yeah. always, always just something I could do once in a while. For me, cooking is, you know, really important part of my everyday sort of experience in life. And, and the blog, the fact that food blogs even started to exist blew my mind. And it's, and it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful because, I mean, I know there are a lot of us out there, people who like to do nothing else than talk and read and write about food. And, you know, we found our little community. Definitely. Um, I love how you write because um, your your comfort food seemed to be very diverse with your background and growing up in uh, outside of Boston uh, half the time and then in Berlin half the time. Um, you have a Sicilian uncle. And you said you're of the opinion that everyone should have a Sicilian uncle because they know how to cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was really charming. Um, but yeah, about food blogging, um, you know, how do you think because you've been writing now for eight years um, and still going at it. Uh, and now, like, food bloggers uh, just have cropped up so and multiplied indefinitely, and nobody can really count how many bloggers there are. It's, it's a really wild, vast field out there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see, like, any significant changes between the way people tend to blog now than, bef- than when you were starting out? Well, there's certainly far more emphasis on having beautiful photography and um, a really attractive blog design. Mm-hmm. When when I started out, that I mean, that wasn't the case at all. My my inspiration at the beginning was Julie, Julie Powell's Powell. blog, and that had no, no photos and was just black <laughs> type on a white screen. Um, so things have taken a, a very very sharp. But she did have a hook there, yeah, to cook through Julia Child's book. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so things things seem a lot more focused on the visual now, but I think that's the case for for all all blogs. I mean, Mm -hmm. not all, but a lot of different subject matters um, have gone much more visual. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the pressure pressure to have a well-designed, you know, beautifully photographed blog is, is really high. And I mean... As and I, for me, writing is still the most important thing. If I if I find a blog that I think is beautifully beautiful to look at, but the writing isn't good, I I won't go back. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have to say that you know I'm as I'm as a sucker also for for beauty. So that yeah. if there's good writing and good photography, I'm you know I'm, I'm totally gone. yeah I'm there. And you know there's sometimes blogs with no writing and just photography, and that's still. Yeah. Technically a blog, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Is it's that changed. like a Tumblr? I don't. I don't really yeah. understand. I think I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I don't really get that yet. Sort of blog with no text. Because for me, the whole point of blogging is actually the writing. It's not really the photos. Right. But, um, but yeah, I'm probably an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm there. I mean, web log that implies sort of like a diary or uh, you know text. I think. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, don't. I feel like you get you get to know someone so well through their writing, and and that's. Uh, the, for me, the beauty of blogs, I think for all of us, the beauty of blogs, I mean, even food blogs, if you're reading about someone's dinner, it's, you know, the dinner is interesting, but really what's interesting is what's going on behind that mm-hmm. and what kind of a person they are and what kind of worldview they have. And, yeah. And you have to be that kind of writer who just really opens up and uh, connects with the with the readers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved reading about how you said the blog, um, you know, before too long, 
after starting it, it had sort of structured your life or reordered your life and giving it um, a schedule. And, uh, you know, you would organize your days around what to cook and then when you're going to write it and so forth and posting it and then checking out your comments. But also just mm-hmm. it gave it gave your life a new rhythm. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. And d- does that still does that still carry on? Um, I think it's 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 changed somewhat. At the time, I, I was um, I had a full time job at an office, and I was sort of desperate for something else to to get my creative fire going. Mm-hmm. And so I had to fit the blog in around everything else in my life, which was pretty you know there there wasn't that much space. Um, and so it was the that's how project. it reordered my life because yeah. it made me focus. In a in a way that I hadn't been in my in my private time. Now I'm I'm self-employed and um and I have a kid, so I'm sort of not I'm sort of on sort of a part-time gig at the moment, part-time mm-hmm. self-employed, and um so things are all screwy now. They're very I, I don't really have much of a routine or an order to my day at the moment. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no things were things were in a way were a lot easier when I had a you know a forty-hour-a-week job right. plus the blog to fit in around everything else. <laughs> but now you get to do what you love full-time, like self, yeah, self-employed yeah, writing, yeah, food writing, and having a family, which is... Yes, yes. Congrats. Really Thank it's you. Really, it's really <laughs> lovely to read about that and like kind of like read throughout your blog about the stages of your life and, and how, that's, how that's evolved over time. Well, it's, it's great to hear it because making the decision to write more personally, you know, it's a big one and it's one that I really struggled with. I'm actually a relatively private person and um, for a long time I didn't think that the blog was a place to air anything personal and so I just sort of danced around little things that were going on in my life. But I I always realized that there were a lot of readers who could sort of read between the lines and Mm -hmm. were really interested in caring. Um, And it was due to them, I, I have to say, that I got more brave about sharing you know, things of my personal life, and that then led me to write the book, which is really personal. So, yeah, I couldn't have done it without my blog readers. Yeah, you're egged on. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I loved reading about how your comfort food is so diverse. Um, you know, the, the whole beginning of the memoir is filled with different kind of really sensory memories about different foods that you enjoyed growing up, like uh, the omelette confiture, uh, mm-hmm. that your nanny used to make in Berlin, and uh, just the simple meals that your dad used to make, um, which were pretty American-sounding. Um, and then, of course, your life in Paris. It was also it was also educational, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think that, you know, a comfort food, you know, it usually doesn't seem like so varied um, mm-hmm. when most people use it. But uh, it was real, you know. I can, I could really feel and uh, relate to to how those different foods really formed your perspective on food. Oh, so. well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's funny that I do have, and now when I think about what what comfort food is to me, you know, today, I'd have to say it's mostly food that I remember from my time in New York, like. Chinese dumplings and um, banh mi and stuff that I, you know, that that I crave and that I can't really get here, at least not in the same quality. Yeah. Well, you I know, it I, and it's also cool because when when we read or try to educate ourselves about different cuisines, we don't necessarily think about the simple breakfast like omelet confiture 
which is an omelet with jam. Um, you know, we, we tend to educate ourselves about foie gras and uh, mm-hmm. really luxurious foods that you could find mm-hmm. in restaurants rather than the home. Mm-hmm. So, so this was, this was cool to read about. Oh, well, thank you. I'm a, I'm a big evangelist, um, of, of home cooking. I think it's really important and a really, you know, wonderful thing to do with your time. So all right my on to that. come from the home. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's cut to a quick little musical interlude and we'll be back chatting more about my Berlin kitchen with Louisa Weiss. This one's called Bye Bye Baby I'm Gone by the California Honey Drops from the Heritage Radio Network.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. We're back chatting with Louisa Weiss, the author of The Wednesday Chef, the blog, and also My Berlin Kitchen, the memoir, and which is just out in paperback uh, this week, uh, this month, I think. Um, anyway, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. So, like, part of the really fun um, uh, parts of the book are all the recipes. I, I actually lied when I said it was a not really a cookbook or more of a memoir. Uh, it is a narrative book, but there are twenty some very really good looking recipes throughout it. Forty and, some. 40 oh, forty some. some sorry, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> and it seems to be like you know really really interesting, not just kind of your standard uh, recipes uh, that you'd find in maybe a food magazine, but they're really personal. But they're they correspond to the chapters with the events going on in it but they're diverse you know like like your like your experience they're from all different cuisines Mm -hmm. so i really enjoyed checking those out because they're again those kind of foods that you don't normally find in a in a restaurant thank Um, you yeah so tell me about berlin or german cuisine because in one section you mentioned that the the breakfast is really the highlight of the cuisine like that was the main ordeal 
Yeah, breakfast is really important here. It's not um, the kind of. I'm sorry. <laughs> Frühstück. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's a really important part of the day, meal of the day, um, um, especially a weekend breakfast. So they really pull out all the stops with um, different kinds of cold cuts and cheeses and hard boiled eggs and rolls and pretzels and um, soft pretzels and fruit and yogurt and quark with herbs, which is this sort of fresh cheese. Um, it's just a huge, huge thing. And um, lunch is usually eaten uh, at the office. Most most offices here in Germany have canteens, um, and so that's like a warm cooked lunch. And then evening is usually pretty simple. It's just sort of a continuation of breakfast, yeah. bread, open-faced uh, sandwiches, on dark German bread. So, yeah, yeah. that's the, pretty much the staff of life here. <laughs> it's great because, like, uh, yeah, you said, like, the word for dinner there is kind of like nighttime bread instead of, yes, like, the... Yes, um, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool because I, I don't know wh- how things got so different, but so many people I know don't even eat breakfast. And, you know, when you look at um, recipes uh, online and, you know, around all the emphasis is on dinner entrees, dinner meals, mm-hmm. dinner meals, not not so much breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder how that change happened. I mean, do you, do you feel different eating by a different kind of eating schedule with a heavy breakfast and a light dinner? Well, I think actually a light dinner is, is a g- great idea no matter, no matter what. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of medical studies have shown that it's, you know, it's not great to go to, to go to bed with a Which, really full stomach, and I think anecdotally people often suffer from heartburn and indigestion if they've eaten too much mm-hmm. at night. So I actually think that the simple cold dinner um, is is pretty smart. I actually don't really eat that way that often because I I was raised by an Italian and an American, and <laughs> in those cultures you eat a warm meal at night unless it's a million degrees out. Um, but mm-hmm. my but my husband's family and and he he loves to just have abendbrot for dinner. So. Um, we sort of we go back and forth. I don't. My husband works in another, in another city Monday through Friday, so I only see him on weekends. Um, and then we sort of alternate between me cooking dinner or us just having um, a sandwich. But um, the breakfast, I don't know. I I think um, again, I, I don't actually eat that huge mm-hmm. um, German breakfast every morning because my my taste buds were raised differently. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a, a weird. Um, hang up about not having salty food before like 10 a.m. <laughs> so yeah. I can't eat a salami sandwich um, for breakfast like <laughs> a lot of Germans can. Right. I have to stick to the sweet stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that either. But, you know, it's it's a very interesting cultural difference. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of those, what's why don't we eat more white asparagus here in the States? It's I love it, you know, and it's so present in German cuisine, white asparagus. Yeah. I I don't know. Is that isn't that like all over the place uh, in foods? Yeah. So yeah. it's here in Germany. White white asparagus is like a cult thing. It's it's a huge thing. It's only available for six weeks out of the year, and Germans right. go nuts um, over it. Um, in the states, it's it's pretty much unheard of. Most people just grow regular, or just know and grow regular green asparagus. Right. Right. Um, it's a lot easier to grow white asparagus. You have to sort of let it grow under under paper so that it doesn't see the sun. It's a lot more labor-intensive, oh. and as a result, would be much more expensive. And there's a lot of controversy between lovers of green asparagus and lovers of white over which one's better. They do taste slightly different. They have different textures. Um, I think it sort of depends on what you grew up liking. Um, I, I actually like them both. Yeah. 
Um, I, I happen to think green asparagus is more versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do, you can sort of wrap it in ham or roast it in the oven or whatever. But then again, now that I think about it, you can do pretty much the same things with white. It's just more, it's, ten, it's more delicate, let's say. Yeah, I like that, though. I'm, I'm excited about white asparagus, and I, I hope that some of the heirloom farmers around here try, try to take them up if they're so beloved in, in yeah. other places. Um, so what is, uh, what is your favorite recipe from your cookbook? I mean, from your memoir. My favorite? Oh, gosh. That's really not easy to say. Um, hmm. Or maybe of the moment. like. Well, I'll say the, the, the recipe for the ragu, for the Italian mm-hmm. meat sauce, oh my gosh. is one that I make the most frequently. I mean, that's just a, it's a staple in our house. We make it, you know, all the time. I, I know it by heart. Um, so that's one that's just a, a total... I mean, it's just always on in, right, in, right. in our kitchen. Um, but I also have to say that I I, I really love Rote um, Grütze, which is this sort of berry pudding um, made in Germany in the summer months. With um, It's made with cherries and um, raspberries and a little bit of um, cornstarch, and you eat it with vanilla sauce, um, which mm. is sort of like a creme anglaise. And what is it called and again? It's, it's called um, Rote Grütze, which <laughs> translates roughly to red grits or like food, oh, I call I it food it. pudding. Oh, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah, and it's 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 one of those things that's actually really easy to make. It's totally delicious. It's unknown outside of northern <laughs> Europe or northern Western Europe, um, and it's incredibly. It's so good. It's so refreshing and wonderful. And I wish more people knew about it. And I worked really hard on the recipe. So. Mm. I would say those two, right now, right off the top of my head. Right. I feel like if I actually went back and looked at every single recipe, I would find a reason yeah. to love everyone. I mean, I do have a reason to love everyone. Well, that sounds yeah. perfect for summer. That whole, yes, whole it's a great goods. summer, yeah. really great summer dessert. And it's good for crowds. It's good mm-hmm. for potlucks. It's good for, it's good for a lot of different things. Well, thanks for sharing that one. Um, so the, the, the story throughout the book, um, and I haven't actually finished it, but I'm, I'm getting there, I have to admit. Um, but it, it really speaks to me as a story of, of finding um, where you feel like you belong. It's like a story of belonging. And, you know, one of the ways that you achieved it was by cooking more of the things that you remembered. And then ultimately you moved back to Berlin. Um, and, and that was kind of like the happy ending um, which you are still in now. So, uh, mm-hmm. so, so throughout that process, uh, did you feel any like kind of sense that you were that you were evolving um, <clears throat> as a writer when you were blogging? Like, did you? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I was just distracted by somebody coming by. Um, did you feel this evolve throughout your blog? Like we when you're sharing your recipes and, you know, some, sometimes you would add a personal anecdote about, you know, this is my Sicilian uncles and it kind of like evolved from writing so much about food. Um, yeah. If I understand the question correctly, I, I was really encouraged by my editor to, to make the book as personal as possible. Um, and so we came at it sort of from different points of view, because I wanted the book to be really just about food. I was really leery of getting too personal, oh, and I wanted huh. it to be more about food and more about 
my experience moving back to Berlin and the risk I was taking and, and all that. And they were, they wanted to know a lot more of the nitty gritty <laughs> stuff. And so I had to, it, it, I had to sort of balance both of what they wanted and what I thought I wanted. And as that was happening, I realized that the book was actually sort of writing itself in a way. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, no. I was just wondering if this was like kind of uh, creeping up on you throughout sharing your stories on the blog um, oh, as well. Oh, I see what you yeah. mean. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. I, I, would, I would write about things on the blog, but it was always very limited. The, you know, the space, the sort of the, the setup of the blog. I, I never felt like I could actually get in and, and really explain like who I was and, and where all of this emotional stuff yeah. was coming from that readers were responding to, but that didn't really have any larger context. And so the opportunity to write the book was, was absolutely amazing because I was able to you know, really go in and and go deep on my own on my own stuff, and then on the food stuff, and then sort of craft this story that you know is is real, but sort of make it into um, an arc that would that would mean something to other people too. Yeah, it definitely it definitely has that arc. Um, sorry for that long winded question, but um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on to a more fun one. What what kind of projects uh, can we expect from you next? Well. Um, I am. I have a couple of buns in the oven. Ooh. Um, figurative, figurative, figurative. Babies. <laughs> um, one of them, but I can't really talk about either one at the okay. moment because they're still just in that excellent, just preliminary phase. But they both have to do with cooking. One is text based, and the other is image based. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and hopefully, oh, be able exciting. to get into more detail if things go well in a few months. Great. Well, we can't wait to to read on more about them. And it's so great to be able to continue reading about your cooking every day, almost, you know, on the on the blog went the Wednesday chef. And and finally, what what's the meaning behind the Wednesday chef? I know you've probably explained this like several times throughout your life. (laughs) That's okay. So um, when I started the blog, I'd been clipping recipes from the food sections of The New York Times and The Los Angeles Times for years. Um, I'd started, I think, sometime in 1999, and in um, in those days, actually in most places still, but there are a few exceptions, um, the food sections were always published on Wednesdays. So mm-hmm. when I was thinking about a name for the site, I knew it had to have the name Wednesday in it because the point of the site at the beginning was that I was just going to cook through all the newspaper clippings I had cut out over the years. Yeah. Um, and so I came up with the Wednesday Chef, and I it, it kind of made me cringe for a long time. I... I kind of, I always thought it might be a little corny or a little weird or too difficult for people to understand if they just kind of plopped onto the site from nowhere. But whatever. Well, it's, <laughs> def- it's definitely <laughs> unique. You know, it's different. It's not just like Louisa's Kitchen. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I try to tell myself. It's unique. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Um, the book is really great. I can't wait to go to the beach with it really soon. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, my Berlin Kitchen, Adventures in Love and Life, which is out right now in paperback. Um, that's about all the time, but thank you so much for being on air with us. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Oh, I like the way you do. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.